Go ahead, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 10. Let's go ahead and quiet down. Shh. Let's quiet down. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. As we prepare to, to dig into the Word this evening, I, I'm just going to be, be upfront with you guys. I, I think the passage that we're about to dig into tonight is, is probably the most uncomfortable and difficult passage to me in all of the Bible. It's, it's something that when I read it, I, like, there's a lot of things that it makes me think about, feel. It, it honestly is like a passage that really puts the fear of God in me. And I think sometimes, like, we don't talk about the fear of God. That sounds like something, like, the old generation would talk about. Or maybe we have some, some like, connections in our brains, like, fear of God and, like, people that have abused, like, power and leadership, maybe in the church. And what, what I want to suggest tonight is that the fear of God is actually a beautiful, beautiful gift. And, and without the fear of God, actually, we cannot truly know God or walk in wisdom the way we are called to. Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And so for you and for me this evening, I want to challenge you to, to kind of be okay with this passage making you uncomfortable with, with like just being mature and being like a young man, a young woman who's like going to actually like really think through what we're talking about today. Be, because my challenge for you guys is if Christianity is just kind of a thing that you feel like you do because you have to or because you should or yeah, I guess Jesus did a bunch for me so the least I can do is like show up to church then all these messages, everything that we invite you into in worship, through te like the teaching the Bible and all the things will just feel like some spiritual work that you have to do. And I believe the invitation of the gospel is so much better. So what I want to invite you guys into tonight is we'll still have some fun and it'll be a good night. But I want us to, to take this seriously as we dig into this text. So will you stand with me as I read this? It's as a sign of, of reverence, being ready to give our attention to this. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 22. I'm going to read a long, long chunk of scripture, so don't lock your knees. I don't want anyone passing out. That would be hilarious. Okay, I, I actually kind of do want to see it, but I don't want to see it. Okay, I don't want to see that. So Hebrews 10, 22. Go ahead and read along with me on the screen or in your Bibles. Or if you want, if the best way you can listen is to close your eyes and just hear it. Go ahead and do that. This is what it says. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to, uh, to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pay attention here. For if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. The Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. 
This is serious stuff here. Verse 32, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated, for you had compassion on those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession. Everyone say better possession. A better possession and an abiding one, a continual one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Everyone say great reward. Great reward. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. And all God's people said, thanks be to God. Go and remain standing with me as we pray. Holy Spirit, we need you tonight. God, I'm so aware of my tendency, my proclivity to, to begin to overlook beautiful work that you have done. And I say I'm so sorry. With my friends in this room, I know so many in this room who, who truly, deeply love you. They have tasted and seen that you are good. They have experienced the glory of your presence. They have, they have caught the beauty of the fact that you, Heavenly Father, have given us your Son so we can draw near to you. But Lord, we we so often forget it, we drift away, we get caught up in the cares of the world. And, and Lord, tonight we need you to help us to see you, Jesus, as our treasure. So Lord, for my friends in this room who want to follow you, who may feel discouraged or weary or just unsure of how do I do this, how do I follow Jesus, I pray tonight that you would restore us and refresh us and draw us near to you, Holy Spirit. If you're in this room and your heart's desire is to follow Jesus, to know him, to love him. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is the one who who helps us. He is the the advocate. He is the one who helps draw us to Jesus and to draw us to the Father. So if that's your desire, would you just pray this? Would you say, Holy Spirit, come. Would you help me? Would you guide me and draw me closer to Jesus? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. What a passage tonight. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Dang. We in church, we can so often talk about the love of Jesus. We can talk about the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And all these things are true and unchanging. Just last week we were talking about this beautiful truth that God is unchanging. Everyone say God is unchanging. So we talked about the fact that God's character, his purpose, his words, who he is does not change based on his feelings, based on circumstances. He stays faithful unlike us who who are constantly going from thing to thing. So so what does it mean that God is is both loving and also that God is, is like just, that he has anger? What I want to suggest to us tonight is we will only understand the depth of the love of God when we understand the depth of the wrath of God towards sin. Because what we, what we see is that, like, imagine this. If, 
if you have a great reward or a treasure, someone or something that is super valuable to you, I, I, would, I think it's safe to assume that just say like your most valuable treasure in life is a PS5. Anyone here like a PS5? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does, does anyone play games here? You do? Okay, okay, I see, I see. There you go, Tay. Okay, imagine you have a PS5 or, or is this something that's like very like costly to you. Imagine someone comes into your house, breaks in, and breaks your PS5 just for fun. Would you be upset? Would you be upset? Yes. That, that thing costs some money. Like, like imagine, how about this? This is like a lot more real. Imagine like someone, there's like someone you love more than anyone, someone who is valuable to you. Some of, you, some of you are like, yeah, it's shoddy sitting next to me. Okay, good, good for you. Valentine's Day is coming up. But like, like there's someone who means so much to you. Like imagine how insane it would be if someone were to hurt that person or, or God forbid kill that person and you look at them like, it's fine. Like, like that would be insane. I'd look at you and be like, that makes no sense. But often like the things that make us the most angry, the most frustrated are attached to what or whom we love. Are you with me? Are you with me? So, so what we see is that God loves and cares about his creation, his people so much. And because he loves and cares for them, he sees how sin destroys the world he has made. And because sin br- brings fracture and brokenness and death, God hates sin. And anything that, that perpetuates it and makes it continue, God works against so there can be justice and so people can have, can have right relationships and health and wholeness. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. So this is, this is why it's so important for us to understand these, these weighty passages of Scripture. So let's dig into this. I believe there are three types of people in this room. This is really important for us to, to get to know each other. Okay, we're going to get to know each other in a big group tonight. Okay, I want you to raise your hand and make your noise if you are in one of these three camps. Okay, the first is if you are like a psycho who, don't, don't raise your hand. There. No, that's not, that's not it. <laughs> that, that's weird. Wait up. Okay, if you are a psycho who, who somehow... Like, you love running just, like, just to run. Like, not to accomplish anything, not for a sport, not, like, you just like running. Who, raise your hand if you're in that, if you're in that. We got, okay, we got, like, three. Give, give it up for our, our strange friends. All three of you are awesome, and, and good for you, that's awesome. But that ain't me. How about, okay, if you're in camp two of you are okay with running and you actually might like it if there is a point to the running, such as training for a sport or like I got a ball in my hand, I'm going to get a bucket. Raise your hand if you're on team running for purpose. There you go, there you go. My people, my people. I'm just going to say that I think you're far more normal than the first camp. But we still love you, okay? We still love you. Okay, and then there's, I I want to give love to these people. If you are in camp number three, of bruh why are you even talking about running running is the stupidest thing i'd rather skate walk bike do any other form of moving besides running go ahead raise your hand and make some noise good for you good for you all right all right that, that helps me get to know you guys running is such an interesting thing and, and what we see is that the picture of running is often used throughout the New Testament. We see this in Hebrews 12 where we have this exhortation to run the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're going to talk about this next week. There's also other passages. Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? I'm going to say the prize. 
Only one gets the prize. So, so running away as to get the prize. And, and Paul starts to talk about the discipline that's needed. Because how many of y'all know you ain't going to be a good runner. You ain't winning no prize if you aren't disciplined. If you're just going to Whataburger all the time, just chowing down on that food. You need some better fuel, right? And, and Whataburger's trash anyways. But anyways, like, like Paul says that like he compares following Jesus and, and staying in the faith to a race. Everyone say a race. To a race. And what's so important is people only enter a race if it means something to them. I want you to catch, I want you to catch this. Something we see in psychology is like one of the most important things about a human being is, is the sense of motivation. It's a sense of motivation. And there's two types of motivation, okay? There's extrinsic and intrinsic. Everyone say extrinsic. Good, good try there, good try. Extrinsic and then intrinsic. Everyone say intrinsic. Okay, so extrinsic, intrinsic. Extrinsic motivation is what a lot of us get very often. What this sounds like is you should do this. You should study. You should, you should get this job. You should work hard. You should, and it's a lot of like people from the outside in trying to motivate you to do something. So from the outside and trying to get you to do something, to believe something, to, to try to do something more. And how many of you guys know that ain't super helpful? Right? Like if there's anything that like, like a group of high school students hates, like it's, it's being told what to do. Right? Like, like it's like you guys finally got some independence. Like don't tell me where, like where I can go or how much gas I can use up. I have a license. Right? Like we don't like that type of motivation. But then there's another type of uh, motivation called intrinsic. Everyone say intrinsic. You guys sound so smart. Good for you. Okay. Intrinsic motivation. And what intrinsic motivation is, is based on a value or conviction. It's based on a value or a conviction where you believe something, and because you believe something, you are willing to orient your life around that thing. So if you believe something is worth it, if you believe that something matters, it dictates the way that you live. Are you with me? Let me, let me, let me show it to you guys like this. Who, who here likes food? Right, me too, me too. Who here likes, who here likes Chick-fil-A? All right. My, my sister's back there. She got some Chick-fil-A in her cup. I see you. Okay, this is what I need you guys to do. Uh, now, I, I want you to be wise here because I'm going to try to pick some, some elite runners here. Okay, the, the running had a point. We are going to race to see who gets this gift card. Okay? So all you have to do is win this race to get a $20 gift card. All y'all with shoddies, Valentine's Day, right here. I got you. I know you're broke. I know you ain't got no job. It's okay. Like I'm, Lindsay and I are going to, or to Chick-fil-A for Valentine's Day too. It's great. Okay? So what I want you guys to do is if you want to compete, I need three volunteers. Okay? I need three volunteers. Wait, hold on. Let me finish my card. Put your hands down. Put your hands down. If you think that you are super fast and you can actually win this. One, two, three. Raise your hands. All right. Let's see here. Let's see here. Drew, what kind of shoes are you wearing? Huh? Can you run in them? Can you run? <laughs> Drew, come up here. We're getting upperclassmen. Bro, you got, a, you got a something wrong with your hand or wrist. But to be able to run fast, you, you kind of... Lufer, are you feeling fast right now? Lufer and Grant, I want you to go rock, paper, scissors to see who goes. Okay, I need, I need a female. Kayla, are you raising your hand? You want to run? Kayla, get up here. Kayla, get up here. Okay, and Luke, okay, here we go. All right, we got, we got Drew, we got Luke, and we got Kayla, okay? 
Do you see? This is authentic, okay? This is real deal. We got the gipper seat in here, everything too. Okay, this is all that's going to happen is you must run. How, how, long, how, how long have I been preaching? Uh, okay, well, we're going to say two laps, okay? Two laps from starting right here, like this little, this little line in the, in, the, in the carpet. And you have to run two laps. So you will run around this, uh, this seating area right here, come around the sound booth, around those chairs right there, and that's one lap when you get back to here. Make sense? Does that make sense? You, got, you know the course? It's pretty easy. So I want to see who is the first to two laps. Okay, no one trip them. Don't be mean. Don't be rude. You're kicked out of the church. I'm just kidding. Okay, so I want, this is the gift card on the table. Now, let me, let, me, let me ask you guys. Did all three of you raise, raise your hands for I like running when there's a purpose? Yes, yes, yes. When there's a purpose. So, so this is your purpose. So this means something to you. It's like even though you don't really like running that much, you want this gift card, right? And that's why you really want to, like, win this, okay? This is your motivation right here. All right, we're going to get this started. Everyone count down with me. The race starts in three, two, one, go! All right. Come on, Drew. All right, we got a winner. Everyone go ahead and give it up for Drew. Give it up for Drew. Well done. Well done. It's okay. I'm, Lindsay and I are actually going to keep this, but you can sit down. I'm kidding. It's yours. It's yours. Give it up for Drew. There you go. There you go. Running the race. Everyone say run the race. Run the race. Motivation. Our why behind what we do is crucial. Are you with me? These, none, of, none of these people were just like, oh, I love running. Like, please tell me to run seven miles. I'm there, right? Like, no, none of these people raised their hands for that. What they did raise their hands for is when there is a purpose, when I'm, when I'm running to win something, when I'm running for the sport that I'm playing, like, it's valuable, right? Like, Lufer wants to get a nice one-hand snag and run to the end zone. Dude's probably not going to be out running in his neighborhood just for fun, right? Motivation is key. Our why. And what I want to suggest to you all this evening is this. Everyone pay attention. Lean in, lean in. What I want you to hear this evening is that I think so often what we do as Christians is we try to live with this extrinsic motivation of, of people telling you, you should follow Jesus. And you should read your Bible. And you should pray. And you should come to youth group. And you should come to community night. And you should do all of these things. You should come to small groups on Sundays. And it starts just to feel like this long laundry list of things we have to check off to be good enough. As Christians, Shh, pay attention, listen, listen. It becomes this list that if we, we have to check off all of these things to be good at the spiritual part of our lives. And friends, let me tell you what that is. That just leads you into, into being like slaves to performance and religion. And Jesus has a much better way. And, and what I want you to do is I want you to be honest with yourself tonight because you're not doing anyone a favor in lying to yourself. Saying that, yeah, Christianity is like good and I guess I kind of value it. If your lifestyle, of like, if the way that you actually live does not match up with that, I think the question you need to ask yourself is, why do I follow Jesus? Why do I follow Jesus? That's the question I want us to go after tonight. Why should I follow Jesus? And, and why should I start today? Right, like we, we read passages in Hebrews talking about today, do not harden your hearts. We see passages in Hebrews where it talks about what happens to those who continue to, to live in sin deliberately. So I think what we see is that there is a purpose to starting to follow Jesus today. 
You see, the author of Hebrews is extremely concerned about the Christians they're writing to, and he wants them to persevere in the faith. That despite suffering and persecution, even when it's difficult, he sees the value of persevering and following Jesus. There's, there's an urgency to it. He doesn't want them to drift away. He doesn't want them to take the blood of Jesus lightly. Wants them to persevere. Look at this. We're going to do a quick survey through Hebrews. Look at Hebrews 2 real quick. This is where we've been in the past few weeks. Hebrews 2, Hebrews 2, 1 through 3 says this. Therefore we must pay much closer attention. Everyone say pay attention. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away. Everyone say drift away. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable in every transgression or disobedience, received a just retribution or punishment, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? You see here the importance of listening to the words of God and obeying so that we do not drift away. Look over at the next page, Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away. Everyone say fall away. Leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. Everyone say today. today. Say it with some emphasis. Say today. today. As long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 3.15 says this, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Our author knows that we need to pay careful attention, we need to listen, and we need to hold fast to our hope. This is what Hebrews 4.14 says. I love this verse. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Everyone say hold fast. Look with me at Hebrews 10, 23. Hebrews 10, 23, the author says this. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. What does the author of Hebrews want the church to know almost 2,000 years ago, and what do we need to hold on to tonight? It's simply this, that you and I, we will either hold fast to the anchor of our hope, or we will drift away in the cares of this world. There there are only two options here for us as Christians, for us as believers, that we will hold fast to our anchor, to Jesus, where our hope is secure and immovable. We'll either cling to him or we will drift away. We'll drift away in the cares of this world. We'll drift away searching for meaning, searching for a reason why we get out of bed, searching for motivation, searching for a why, and trying to find happiness and pleasure. And affirmation and achievement and sex and money, all those things that are meant to be gifts from the Lord start to become God. And we we try to make those things satisfy and they fail every time, leaving us hopeless. I'll say it like this. If we are not actively responding to God's grace and following Jesus, we will drift away. If we're not actively responding to the good news of the gospel, and that's the thing that launches us into following Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we will lose heart and drift away. Are you with me tonight? Are you with me tonight? What causes us to drift away? There's a few things we see in Hebrews. I want to go through these really, really quickly. One thing that causes us to drift away is the pleasures of sin. Everyone say pleasures of sin. Pleasure of sin. I love as you go into Hebrews 11, it starts to talk about faith and the great people of faith that we can look to as examples. This is what the author says about Moses. It says, by faith, everyone say, by faith. 
By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth. Everyone say greater wealth. Greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. What we see here in Moses is that he had a greater reward, a greater treasure than fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses could have had anything he wanted. He could have had all the sex and the money and the power in the world. And he understood that those things were fleeting. They, they are really pleasurable in the moment. I think we'd be like really dumb to not acknowledge that like the reason why we fall into temptation is because there's something in us that desires that thing, right? Like there's something in us that desires that, which is why we go into temptation. Like we think about even things that are not inherently bad, right? Like, like think about food. One more time, who loves food, right? It, it made Drew run like a, a madman in his Adidas, right? Like, like food is an amazing thing. But food, when consumed inappropriately, when we start to, to eat it, to try to self-medicate, when we just try to, to eat and eat and it becomes gluttony, it's, it hurts us. And it's taking a good gift that God gives us. And it turns into something bad. We, we, we take sex for an example of something that's beautiful and a gift. That when it's between a husband and a wife, it is unifying. And it's an act of love and self-giving. And it literally can create human life. It's awesome. But we turn that and we use it for ourselves. We begin to use people. We begin to, to abuse this gift that God has given. And what we see here in Scripture is that there is a contrast between the fleeting pleasures of sin and the eternal reward of Jesus. Are you with me? The eternal reward of knowing Jesus is so much greater and better than the fleeting pleasures of sin. We have to ask ourselves, what is greater treasure to us? Going from fleeting pleasure to fleeting pleasure which will leave you empty, depressed, anxious, or finding Jesus as your reward and your treasure. Which will you choose? Another thing that causes us to drift away is suffering and persecution. Suffering and persecution. We see in Hebrews 10, 32 through 34, the author is describing and reminding to the, the church that he's writing to about the, the suffering that they have faced. He says, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, sometimes being partners with those so treated, for you had compassion on those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession. Everyone say a better possession. You had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. What we see here is that suffering and persecution can often cause people to drift away. Maybe that's been the case for you in your, in your relationship with Jesus. You, you heard about the gospel and you were in line to the truth. But then pain and suffering came knocking at your door. And it caused you to doubt, caused you to question. I want to suggest that it is Jesus Christ alone that gives, that gives meaning to the sufferings that you and I face. When I, when I survey the different religions in the world, when I think about the different answers to the problem of evil and pain, I truly believe that, that this book and, and, and like Christianity is the only thing that adequately gives us hope for today. So what it tells us is how sin came into the world is by disobedience and, and, and mankind trying to be God for themselves. 
denying God's good and perfect plan, the way that he wanted relationship with his people. But also Christianity is the only thing that gives us hope for both today and hope for the future. Because the hope for today is that as we run this race, we don't just have to wait till we get to the finish line to receive a reward. We have a reward today. I wouldn't say today. We have a reward today. Everyone, listen, I want you to catch this. Because what's so different about Christianity is there's so many religions that it's really all about just doing enough good things so that you can get into heaven. And Christianity says, no, no, no. Because you are a believer in Jesus, your pain and suffering has meaning today. Why? Because it's the very thing that makes you more like Jesus, which is what you were created to be from the beginning, is to be more like Jesus, to be made in God's image. And so even when you go through pain and suffering and trial or like following Jesus costs you something, guess what? That is where you will experience Jesus the most closely. That is where you will see him the most clearly. That is where he reveals himself and changes you to become more like Jesus, the greatest gift. We also don't just have some temporary reward. We have a reward that comes at the end when Jesus comes back and makes all things right. And does away with sin and brokenness and death. And there will be weeping no more. Which leads me to the last thing. What causes us to drift away? Is that we think, we, we, we start to believe this lie that the blood of Jesus is it's always there, it's always available, so I can just get saved later. And a lot of people believe this, that, hey, Jesus died on the cross, he's forgiving, he's super nice, he's great, so, so I can just like pray that prayer later, right? I can go out and, and have sex and do my thing and be popular and, and make my entire world about sports and achievement. It doesn't really matter because as long as I pray before I die, I'm good. I can get saved later. And friends, I want to challenge that position by reading this text one more time. This difficult text that Hebrews 10 shows us. It says, for if we go on sinning deliberately, intentionally, this is different than falling into temptation. Or We go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth. There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which we are sanctified? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. The Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Can I just challenge you tonight? I want you guys to get this because I care about you. I love you. But even more than that, God the Father loves you and cares about you enough to tell you the truth. That the blood of Jesus is not just some nice insurance for your life. The blood of Jesus does not exist to give you a get out of hell free card like you're playing a nice game of like real life monopoly. The blood of Jesus isn't there just to make sure you don't go to hell. There's beautiful hope in the fact that because we believe in Jesus, we have eternal life with him. It's amazing. But if we think the blood of Jesus is something we can just kind of presume upon and continue to sin and it doesn't really like matter, it doesn't mean anything for the way I live today, we are missing it. Heaven would become a place of punishment because that would mean walking with Jesus and becoming more like him. And friends, what I want to challenge you with tonight is if you are in this room and 
and the cross has, be, has just begun to become a story to you. It's, it's become something that, well, it doesn't really have any implications for my life today. I want to challenge you. I don't know if you really know the gospel at all. You may know it as a story. You may know it as some, some good facts. You may know it as a nice Christmas Eve or Easter story. But I believe that the gospel is so much more than that. That the gospel is life and freedom itself. It provides meaning for life today. Deeper than, than, our, than our performance, deeper than our achievement, deeper than our pleasure. It has something so much more for us. It has a new identity for you. That even when you feel like you are a failure, even when you have nothing of value to give to people, Jesus looks at you and says, you're mine and I love you. I chose you before the foundation of the world. I chose to die for you. Hey, guess what? You are now my son, my daughter. I love you. I want a relationship with you. And those things do not change based on earthly circumstances. Are you with me? Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. The challenge for us tonight I want to lay before you is simply this. Will you say yes to follow Jesus tonight? Will you say yes to follow Jesus? Will we choose him as our treasure? What we see to be clear in this book, in this passage, is that Jesus is treasure. Jesus is the reward. Jesus is the best thing. And all throughout Hebrews, as we've been going through, we see that Jesus is better than the angels, and he's better than the old priestly order, and his covenant is better than the old covenant. We see all these great things about Jesus being better than before. And the question for us tonight is, do we see Jesus as better than anything or anyone else? Because if we don't, then all this is is a bunch of rules and things we feel like we have to do. My challenge for you tonight, do you see Jesus as your reward? What I want to bring us into as we get ready to take some time to worship and pray is, obviously this passage, this message, it it feels heavy, right? And maybe for some of you who are in this room and, and you have the deep desire to follow Jesus. You want to walk with him faithfully and love him wholeheartedly. And if you're to be honest with yourself, you're like, I, I haven't been treasuring Jesus. I haven't valued him more than these other things that cause me to drift away from him. What you need to know tonight is that God has an invitation for you. That in his graciousness and mercy, he continues to hold out to us. Even when we fall into temptation, even when we forget his surpassing worth and faithfulness. Tony, can you go and put up Hebrews 10.22? It's the next passage. It says this, it says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of You can keep that up, Tony. Let us draw near the full assurance of faith. What I love about the connection between Hebrews 10 and Hebrews 11 is it starts to talk about faith. This thing that maybe you and I have heard about for many, many years. What is faith? Faith is the, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. What is a conviction? It is a deep belief that reorders and reorients your entire life. 
It's something that you say, because I believe this is true, I'm willing to act on it. Because I believe this is truth, this changes everything. And what faith ultimately comes down to is trusting that Jesus is who he says he is. And that he has done what he says he has done. And friends, if Jesus is who he says he is, what I know to be true is that this invitation tonight is for you and for me to draw near to Jesus. What separates the people who continue in sin deliberately versus those who who do fall into sin but their hearts are torn towards Jesus is repentance and dependence, saying, God, I need your help. That's what we're going to cry out for as we take some time to worship and pray. Would you stand with me?